Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. We are live in week three from the Indoge Resort, beautiful downtown Palm Springs, California. Big shout out to our uh, guests that brought us here. Thank you so much to owners John and Sandy and to Raymond for making us feel comfortable while we're here. It is Monday, June 17, 2019. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by my very special guest today, Mr. Dell Shores, Emerson Collins, and Justin Martindale. Um, they're all Southern, but I don't think you're going to need a dictionary or anything. We should be able to get through okay. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. I got to go to San Diego last week for an overnight and check out stuff down there. I went to Orange County for a bit on Saturday. We, uh, a couple of us boys here went to the drag last night, had a good old time. Uh, we got big shout-out to our sponsors. Thanks for helping me get here. Always want to shout them out. We have Pink Banana Media, excellent resources for any LGBT business out there. They have offices both in New York and L.A. So big shout-out to Matt Scalarit out in New York and Fabrice Crescendo here in L.A. The uh, I Love Gay 360 Twitter network has been putting posts and uh, matching our posts all last couple months and everything, making sure everyone knows we're out here, so thanks to them. The Now Trending app is part of Hillcrest Social in San Diego. has been shouting out all of our stuff and feeding everything for us, so big shout-out to them and thank you. Appreciate some of our sponsors for uh, giving us some goodie bags for my friends that are coming today, Cassie's Confections. These amazing little rainbow sugar cookies for us. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Patches O'Hool, about my hometown in Columbus, Ohio, has any type of LGBTQ, LMNOP, rainbow buttons or patches you want. They have them all from transgender to cisgender to gay to bi to everything there. Check them out. Embroidery to you out in Las Vegas. My good friend Dennis and Zoe there, great allies in the community. They made our little gift bags and embroidered those up, and they're going to have some fun little Left us right merchandise in the future. We can get some cool hats and everything. And, of course, CBT Candle and Travis Hunt Productions in L.A. gave us some good little goodies, some candles, some good stuff for our gift bags as well. So thanks to all of the sponsors. We do appreciate it. As you know, we've been getting food donated every day that we have a live show here in Palm Springs. Today we want to thank the magnificent Manhattan in the Desert. They are a deli and bakery over at 2665 East Palm Canyon Drive. They open at 8 o'clock a.m. Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock on weekends, and they're there till 9 o'clock Sunday through Thursday and 10 Friday and Saturday. You can check them out at www.manhattanindedesert.com. We had 
some sandwiches and some salads and some desserts and all sorts of good stuff. So a big shout out to them. Been around for 14 years here in the desert, so thank you very much. Let's get right into our guest. Guys, I'm so happy. These are three uh, great people to have on the show. Dale Shores has been here since the very beginning. Uh, fourth year coming on the show. So many great, uh, amazing plays, movies, television, sorted lives, very sorted weddings. His one-man show from six characters in search of a play to his current shipster tour. And, of course, one or two social media opinions that he lets us fly for us. Del, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Thanks I'm so much for coming nice back. Nice and cool in this room. It's rather warm outside. It's a little warm. I'd love to do a poolside. And, uh, and we use our camera and everything. we got a good old time, but I think the equipment wouldn't help. Yeah. We are here. Emerson Collins also been a great friend of the show forever. Uh, producing partner, of course, with Dell, but also written such amazing things. Uh, great writer. Check out some of his writings. Of course, as an actor, he's recently appeared in Fox's Rent Live this past uh, couple months ago. So welcome, Emerson. Thanks for being back on the show. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Um, also, though, the camera by the pool thing, the, the background could definitely be interesting. Uh, just there are some good backgrounds to choose from. If you're not following Emerson's uh, social yet, you need to. I think we're in what um, song change number seven, eight, twelve. I forget. Yeah, song. <laughs> whatever. Banana ham, whatever. Yeah. Choice <laughs> ensemble changes. You know, there one can spend the whole day in the same outfit. We Go. like it. We yeah. like it. As you prove, there's a lot of colors in that pride flag. Exactly. The guests are loving it. I think the resort so it's always a good thing. Justin Martindale, um, been forever getting it back on the show. We had you on two years ago. You've just been a busy man blowing up on e-television everywhere. Uh, What's the Fashion Show? Congratulations on that. You're touring now with Jim Jeffries, my favorite late-night show. All sorts of great things happening. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm finally comfortable in a Speedo. There you yeah. go. And just one Speedo. I love your shade, Emerson. We have costume changes. I'm comfortable with one. It was an exciting accomplishment. We went to DragCon and yeah. bought him the Speedo. Covered yeah. in fruit loops. It's yeah. fruity. It's very cute. And it's a little, it's not sheer, but it's kind it's of, not, I'm it's, not it's, there yet. it's skin tone edge, so it kind of looks yeah. far away, like you're being a little brave and out there. Baby That's a beautiful set. thing. Yes. I like it. Well, guys, we're going to do a couple things different today. Instead of our regular show, we're going to do some group questions to talk about what's happening in the world speak right now, and then we'll get into all of your amazing careers. A couple things in the news I wanted to talk about. We are in the middle of Pride Month, and Taylor Swift has been kind of stepping it up lately. She uh, uh, gave money to a proclamation. What state was that? Tennessee. 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 For uh, for kind of stepping up, trying to do the anti-LGBT legislation they're putting through there put a couple, quite a few thousand dollars into that. Now she has a new Pride Anthem out called You Need to Calm Down. Mm-hmm. Um, it has lots of great um, little cameos from a lot of people in the LGBT community, YouTube community, um, Katy Perry, Ellen DeGeneres, Laverne Cox, the entire Fast Five from the new Queer Eye cast, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson and his husband, Billy Porter, Adam Lambert, Adam Rapon. Um, allies like Ryan Reynolds, um, so many other great things. Audrey Hall, executive, yeah, yeah. executive produced it. We are going to go ahead and play the song for you. We'll talk about it on the other side. We have Jordan, my wonderful inter- our intern working for us from Ohio. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you go ahead and play a little Taylor Swift for us. Put us on mute, or we can leave it, you can leave it on. We can talk over it. 
And uh, we'll be back in just a couple seconds, guys. Listen to little Taylor Swift. Exactly. 
invisibility. So no, she has a huge following. And as Dell said, I'm glad that she also used some of the community to executive stuff. And Todrick is around everywhere. Todrick Hall is everywhere. RuPaul's in it. All the drag queens. I mean, Billy Porter is having a moment. He is out and about oh, I everywhere. Love him so much. He's doing it well. He's I, doing it well. He was the best thing about the town. He just walked. Oh, I'll just say, yeah. Just yeah. walks on there and just like, okay, I'm here. It's like, oh. Was that a Christian Soriano? Yeah, I think, Christian I think so. Yeah, and he made the he made the outfit out of the the curtains from Kiki Boots that he won the Tony for. Oh, really? A little yeah, known. I did not that. Very strange hair. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Or hair over dad. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that little video made that wasn't on the live show though, was it? When he was doing his impromptu song, was that part of the live? Show? No, no, it was a commercial. Break. Break. People were Very, very cool. Um, I want to give a shout out to my neck of the woods here. Columbus Pride had their Pride this past weekend. Um, Del, you've been out there a couple times at Evolution Theater Company, and they had a great kickoff the other day. And Nina West, she got a street named after her. It's called Be Kind the Nina West Way. That's a long Uh, street title. A little long street title. But she's been huge there, and We've talked about the last couple of days. I am not a huge drag person. I don't know that much about it. I'm trying to do it for work here. But um, she has been a huge queen in that community. You work with her at a fundraiser for – she has the Nina West Foundation raised over $2 million. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of thing is – that's what drag used to be. Drag was for the community. We made money. That's all we did is raise money. And, and so, I mean, lots of drag queens have always done it just right. for attention and narcissism. Oh, well, yeah. Not just – but what, what I loved about Nina, because it was really, truly thrilling for me when I saw her on Drag Race, she's one of the sweetest, nicest, kindest persons I've ever worked with right. in that capacity where you just roll in and then she's like, here's what we're going to do, and I love you so much. And so when she, the moment it happened, I started tweeting her and she immediately sent me a private message and she just, so she's real. So she is real. Who we saw on the show is who Nina West. Right. She actually did an interview on The View for Pride, and they were asking her, like, why, when are you going to move out to Los Angeles? Because a lot of them move out, you know, to L.A. after right. the show. And she's like, no, I'm happy staying in Ohio because I have a lot of work to do there. And so she's like, she's like, I want to make, she's like, I love my, I love my state. I love my city that I'm in, and I just... I want to. I want to make it better because she loves it so much. But I was like, that's that's awesome. Yeah. You know? But the good thing is she now gets to have appearances where she actually gets to make some money yeah. or more money than just you know. It was very interesting too, though, because they got a lot of pushback for going on the View to talk to Megan McCain. Yeah, they did because they were specifically with Megan, you know, not the panel. And you know, Megan's got an award for being an ally or whatever, but her husband runs the Federalist. That's that terrible publication, right. and she's blocked both Dell and me on Twitter. I just can't be bothered. I don't care about her. But I, she made a really lovely statement, and I think it speaks to something we, Dell and I, talked a lot about over the years. That it takes multiple approaches in different times and places to move the needle forward on issues. Right. You know, it takes the people that draw the lines in the sand, that do the screaming, that do the yelling, that stop the road, that stop traffic, stop attention. But it also takes a different kind of person who can speak and bring people together in a different way. 
And that, and less than Megan, that audience was really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of drag queens have been on the view mm-hmm. in a hundred thousand years. Right. Also started in the year forty BC. <laughs> and so I thought she said a really lovely thing about like I'm going to use the platform wherever I can find it. You know, if we all did that approach, we wouldn't get somewhere. But if we only scream, we don't get anywhere either. So mm-hmm. I just thought it was really lovely. No. And she invited them all back on to co-host for her birthday episode. We'll see if that happens. That would yeah. be interesting. We will see. Well, she blocked me. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. I'm not watching it. <laughs> And I can't her. stand her husband. I mean, he's worse than she is. I just, I, I was hoping he'd block me. I tweeted him a little hate. But yeah, no, that federal, the whole society and that federal social is ridiculous. All right, let's go to our first group question. It is Pride Month. Um, I want to go to each of you. Tell me your coming out story to yourself, not to others necessarily, but to yourself, and what Pride means to you. When you came out, maybe, and now, Justin? Oh, God. Um, I probably came out to myself. Uh, probably I knew at a very early age. But, like, sex wasn't ever talked about in my family. Um, and, it, you know, being gay was shunned upon. Um, and that was just not even an option. Um, so Emerson was actually there when I was going through that <laughs> phase of my life of trying to find out who I was and my identity and all that stuff. And it took a while. I was in a very conservative school at the time. And, you know, I was going through college and I was on my own. And I got to, like, experiment and all that stuff. And then finally it was just like, kind of had this breaking point because it kind of became this joke every semester of what Justin is this semester. <laughs> is he bi? Is he straight? Is he gay? Like, what is it? You know, I, I dated girls in college and then finally I was just exhausted. And, you know, <laughs> everyone was just like, everyone was just... Sounds like a good college time to me. I, it was, I was just tired of, like, people, like, gossiping and every, it, everyone was making it their business of what or who I was. And finally, I just kind of just had to stomp my foot and just yell it out. And, you know, and I just kind of was like, if they want to be my friend, that's fine. And if they don't, then, you know, go F yourself, you know. And that's always kind of how I've been now. It's like, if you have a problem with me, okay, that's fine. We're not going to get along. I don't want to be everybody's friend. But And um, Pride then for me was very um, new. And I kind of looked at it and it didn't, Pride really didn't. I didn't grasp the concept of pride until the Orlando shooting happened. Mm. And that's when I was on the float, the Disney float with Blake the next day. And we're here. We are like celebrating like, yay, pride. And like 49 people just got shot at a club. Right. And, um, this was in LA. This We woke up. Yeah. I had to perform that morning in front of Disney executives because they had the Disney float outside of the laugh factory. And I was like, falling. I was like, it just didn't feel right. But then actually being on that float and looking around and seeing how many people were still pushing through and they're like, it was just this like perseverance mm-hmm. and it's like, you're not going to just, you're not going to stop us with this hate crime. And so, and I looked around and I saw there was like a cop everywhere. There were cops up on the seat, on the roofs of buildings with snipers in case we, we even had a guy like 
try to come in from Santa Monica with like yeah. all these AR-15s in the back of this truck. Yeah. And luckily they caught him. But I mean, it, but that was on the news before you went yeah. down that slope. Yeah. So, I mean, we were all. I, I wasn't. My kids were saying, "Dad, don't go down there." And yeah. I, said, I cannot not go down there because we can't let them. We can't live in fear. And I mean, that's what I mean. It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall this year, and it's like, if they can do it then, we got to keep doing it now. You know, I'm not going to let these bigoted, homophobic people tell me what I can and can't do. And so, um, especially in stand up, you know, it's like I, I'm very out and I don't necessarily get up on stage and talk about my sexual preference or identity but that's not what defines me it's like yes I'm a gay comic but I'm also a comic who just happens to be gay right. also so, really clear huh also <laughs> really clear yeah and I'm like and if you can't figure it out get get your cataracts checked you know I mean first you have to walk to the mic yeah <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this fruit loop speedo ain't going to wear itself. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my journey. Emerson, what about you, bud? Um, I first knew the first time I walked past an underwear box at Mervyn's with a man wearing a song on it. Uh-huh, that it was desperate. Uh-huh, it explains so much uh, about now. Mm-hmm. And I would cut out the underwear advertisements from the little Sunday, on Sundays, you know, when the advertisements from Sears and everywhere, J.C. Penney were in color. There was always, like, one little box that was, like, the special for men's underwear, and I would wait in the newspaper stacks that were going to be recycled. I would wait several days until it would go further down, <laughs> take them out, cut out just that corner, and then, like, stick it back in down low so that, like, nobody would know. Wow. And my dad had, Oh, okay. the, so that was in Singapore. 
<laughs> but you did so many great theater pieces in Dallas. Yeah. I didn't realize that, that you were. And then I went to some people at some places, but it wasn't like I was living with my parents and I was living at home, so it was uh, like an in-between thing. And then, and yeah, and that was my favorite thing, and I go every year. And somebody asked recently why. I said, you know, that first one that I went to where I was, like, excited, there was a crowd of people, as far as the eye can see. Well, every year, it is some other sweet little homo, bisexual girl, lesbian trans woman, it is their first ride, and it's the rest of our responsibility to show up and be the crowd right. for those people who are having their first experience. I get so irritated when people who are like, no, I'm going to this party, whatever, but I'm not going to the parade. No! Yeah. That march, that parade, that whatever, that is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Right. Not your party at 2 a.m. that yeah. costs $75. Yeah. So. No, very true. For you listening at home, go to your local pride, and we have been to so many, in so many cities, and so many places. We love them, though. Happy to do it. They're just fun. The smaller ones are the best. Yeah, I love the smaller ones. It's good gathering of good people, and I just just still find it amazing every time you go and you see, like, those three picketers just out there with, like, gates around them just yelling, and you're just, like, and people just go up to them and, you know, flip them off and twerk in front of them. Yeah, now they're just a backdrop for me. They already... Where you could 
is you, you were allowed to start masturbating thinking of a man, but during the middle you have to switch to a woman. That's confusing. So, so he can imagine it was not working at all for me. <laughs> so then um, I called my, you know, my insurance company, and for stuff by the, by the roller dice, I got Dr. Sandra Bucket, who happens to have my same birthday. And she just allowed me to be okay with who I am now. I was, I was married at the time, and that was the most difficult thing was to figure out how to, right. to still be a good dad, get divorced, be, you know, out and proud or whatever. So that was the first, uh, the first part of the journey. And then, uh, and then I came out uh, at that, when we, that was the pilot when I was doing the therapy sessions and I was with the gayest straight guy. But then I, uh, one day someone said something at the writer's table that was offensive to anybody who was out and proud. And I had seen this article uh, for uh, coming out days that Dan Butler said, if you okay. are working in Hollywood and you are closeted, you are basically saying, I cannot do my job mm-hmm. and be gay. And it just hit me. And so basically, it's like, you know, my time sort of like, I'm gay, you know, to the table one day. Cleared the room, and then I had a great conversation with the executive producer, and all of that was started sort of like the blue. And that's the, so that, that was my journey into and, and for me, the greatest acceptance was writing sort of life and seeing the reaction of the audience every night. And, and for me, that was like them saying, you know what, you're okay. And yeah. Well, right, right. well I, I remember seeing that play and you were in it. Sissy. What's Sissy? Sorry, yeah. And, and seeing Sissy. And that really spoke to me because I was, I was that kid. I picked out, I was a multitude of them. Yo, that's the way I feel like. Yeah. Like we're all those. There's a yeah. to get to that celebration time, we're able to kind of walk that tightrope and getting, I think, a little better each year. 
But we still have to remember when we get to the Stonewall in 50 years. I but, I mean, look what just happened in Knoxville. We were talking before the show where, you know, it puts this homophobic pastor preaches to his Baptist congregation the execution, calling for the execution of gay. Right. And, and, and the evidence was even if, if you had a picture at a gay pride parade, and their pride's coming up. And I've had several of them write me and say, are you still coming? And I go, yeah, I'm coming. And they go, well, we're not, we're, you know, a lot of people are scared here because that's what fear. That's what right. they want. And it, it, it's just sad that it still exists. And, but real quick, I want to tell really uh, my favorite pride moment ever, though, was here in L.A. and those assholes, those uh, protests. <laughs> yeah. The year before, I got the sign that said, where's the rapture when you need it? That's great. Spiral. But that year, they were back. And um, the, the family equality or one of the groups with kids was coming down. And they started chant. They started chanting, "Homos are going to hell." They, you know, blah blah, pedophiles or whatever. And a group over on this side, on La Cienega, starts saying, "We love you, we love you, God loves you." They just started chanting it, and it became so rousing that all the kids turned to this side and were distracted, so they missed all of this. Yeah, nice. They do do that every now and then. Where they'll, they'll get like. Like blinders, because that's what that's what's messed up is like when when the kids see that. I right. that's what and so like I know when we were on the Disney float, they had people who pulled who put up like you know the rainbow uh, like squares right. to cover those guys' signs because it was like you know that's the last thing. So I they think don't understand. Kids, it's their mom and dad. We have yeah. Down everything. They want to hear that nonsense. Right. They must have a big budget, though. They're the same people that all the it's just the same size. You only can spell about 15 words. They just ordered those signs in bulk. Exactly. exactly. They the only can spell 15 words. And I'm like, do they carry on those signs? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, art projects. Well, how could they be creative if they can find they don't have any homosexual? Oppression is hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we're going to take our first break. We're half an hour in. Uh, Jordan, go ahead and play us out a little Michael Mott back live. Michael is a fantastic Broadway composer. He just had his 34th birthday yesterday, and his new play, In the Light, we're going to see on Broadway this year. So, Michael Mott, take it away. We'll be back in a couple minutes, guys. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network.
Hey, we are back to end more abruptly than I thought. Guys, welcome back. Uh, if you're listening to Left the Straight Show live from the Indoors Resort in Palm Springs, California. Howdy <laughs> time. I am here with the amazing Dale Shores, Emerson Collins, and Justin Martindale. Doing a couple round-robin questions. Now, since we are in Palm Springs, and we are a little political group, the, the four of us are, are more outspoken than some. Justin, not quite as much. You're more. But that is... <laughs> Yeah, by comparison. Um, let's go in. We have Coachella here not too long ago. Yeah, I got three. I'm fine. We had Coachella here not too long ago where Aaron Schock got into a lot of trouble. Um, what do we think about that outing? And did he deserve it? And there was a rumor he was going to run, but he's saying he's not going to run again. And we're talking about the era of politics now and uh, the – the hard time for pride is because we have all these religious groups going. We also have a hard administration. Let's talk about politics and LGBT right now. What are our thoughts going into this election? What can we do? Well, do we want to talk about Aaron Schock or the other? Let's start with Aaron Schock first. Yeah, because first of all, yes, you supported, you platformed for things against our community. You get to be out it. That is the one exception to the rule of everybody is on their own journey. Amen. Oh, this was the guy who took the picture with the guy with Bella. And also, specifically, if you're not going to come out, if you're not going to apologize, you don't get to go to one of the gayest weekends in America that isn't a pride Uh and stick your tongue down somebody's throat and then show up at the Standard in Hollywood where the homeless hang out because nobody has jobs in the middle of the afternoon. (laughs) He didn't go hiding to the countryside in Illinois and get a boyfriend and go off to live a quiet life. Yeah. Right. You are in like a buried boot camp. And yeah. No, you have to do that apology, whether you mean it or not. If you and you have to come out. No, and not, and I want to build on that. Build. If, 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 not only do you fucking apologize, but then you counter all the damage that you did yes. to our community. You start, and then and then we'll think about it. Yes, right. You, you take that responsibility. I mean, I, I, and I'm with you, Emerson, always. At, well, what you said about Taylor Swift earlier, welcome to the party. Well, I got very, I mean, somebody somebody in Dallas did not speak to me to this day because they were bashing Jodie Foster for yeah. the way that she came out on the Golden Globe. And I go, yeah, what a way to welcome somebody. Right. Somebody who could really, do, right. well, she should have done so much already. Well, she didn't. Now, are we going to now ostracize right. her? But, but she didn't do anything like Aaron Schrock or whatever the fuck is. Well, and I think I think shock, shocking. I think that's the thing too is that cancel culture is such a thing now, where it's like if somebody just has a misstep going into like Jodie Foster, it's like we all know that you all know she's a lesbian, but it's like that's her moment, and you can't just be like, well, it wasn't good enough. Cancel Jodie Foster. It's like <laughs> she's got a career, she's fine. Like, right. but um, I do think that going into Pride season where it's like you have these people, for instance, like marketing campaigns, like all of these advertisers are like Pride and Pride and Pride. I'm like, well, how much money off of these profits are you giving to the Republican convention? You know what I mean? There's so many, a lot of these donors who are like, we stand with you, but I'm like, but do you really? But like, they'll slap a rainbow on it and sell it because they know it's going to make money for them. I come down in the middle on this one because Part, one part of me is like, if you think capitalism is bad, great. It's terrible. And so that, that is what it is. But I do think, as ridiculous and cheesy as it is, the more companies that get involved in rainbow advertising that increases the profile of the community and the culture, yes, lots of it's terrible. Yes, it's pandering. And yes, it's been happening long enough. Mm-hmm. And now, it, a rainbow is not enough. We need to know what percentage of each 
item purchased is going to what organization. Yes. Right. But if you just put a rainbow on it to make your dollars happier, yeah. I don't need that bag. Yeah. I don't need that coffee cup. That's, what I, that's what I mean by all that. Yeah. But we, I, like, I think it's good. Like, great that it's happening, but we should be demanding now. And 10% of an item sale is nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not 50% or more, that company is pandering bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, especially for the one month of thing. I mean, you can make your money all year long and sell something all year long. You're going to pander to for the one month of Pride Month or whatever you have to do. Yeah, 10% is not going to cut it. And it's nice to see it out there. You, you get visibility and everyone kind of shares a little more. People coming out more and able to share different things, but as you said. I connect it to this. When I first was coming out and going places, I got genuinely excited anytime I was anywhere in the country and saw a rainbow sticker in someone's window. Mm-hmm. I knew what that meant. It was rare enough. You know what I mean? Like you go and you're like, oh. I, I don't, I'm not going in here to flame my baggagery on, but right. I know in my brain that that means something and I am safe in this building. Right. We are fortunate that we have moved beyond that, but like, just that you have a rainbow bag is not enough. Like, IKEA, 100% of their bag goes to an organization. That's right. real allyship. I don't just what, need to I just saw, like, was it Nike that had, like, the rainbow on the back of their... Maybe. I, I, I was wondering. A couple of them are doing stuff now. It's so hard to tell. Oh, There's an I never thought about that. I just, I just celebrate. I just uh, I, At one point, it would have hurt a business to do that. Yeah. And right. now it helps them. I think we need to celebrate that. And that's, you know? that's what's also a little, not a little, but very, very scary is you have, you know, this administration saying you cannot put up your rainbow flags over, you know, these uh, uh, embassy, embassies. Right. And that's what, what are they called, the embassy suites, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but, like, that's, that's what's scary is now it's, like, I feel like people are so forward now and, like, accepting of it, and now we still have this this group of people who are just, well, my pants, who's just like, nope, nope, not on my watch. And that's, it's just, it's gross. Well, and there was, there was a meme going around that this guy got pillories at where you should, where, uh, he showed the pride exhibit at Target and said, oh, I want to wear a pair of fucking shoes. And he's got that, and he just got pilloried, which was really kind of fun to see. But see, I could see that as a joke, too. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a joke? Oh, you're What an asshole. Like, he couldn't just keep walking to the shoe department. Oh, right. It was like a problem for him to walk. Oh, see, because I can. No, it wasn't blocking the way to the shoe department. I just watched shoes at Target. Oh, my God. Great choice. Let's pivot from the end of politics. We have now an openly LGBT candidate yes. that's going to be making bank in uh, Ryan Murphy's house in two days here. Um, <laughs> talk about what our thoughts are on this and bring religion back into the conversation and trying to claim it. Um, what do we think about this? I don't mean to claim religion, but <laughs> if he wants to, that's good. Well, but I think there's an interesting aspect to that, though, because there's a lot of LGBT people of faith. This, yeah, this third country and religion is what is so often used as the bully against, club yeah. again. So it's very interesting that for the first truly significant presidential candidate that's a queer person to also be a person who loudly proclaims a particular faith is very interesting. And like on that aspect, great. Now I'm really excited to see what he has to say at the debate. You know, yeah, that gets all my support. I give money to him. It doesn't necessarily get my vote yet. You know, mm-hmm. until then. Thrilled for the visibility, thrilled for the platform, but you're going to have to do a lot. So get past Elizabeth Warren. I'm giving them all a dollar. That's, That's it? A dollar. Just a dollar. Pre-debates or post-debates? I'm giving 15 of them a dollar. I'm not going to say the There's <laughs> Some of those also rams. There's like, I'm like, oh, I can't afford it. I don't yeah. know. Who is he? That's why I mean, the other day there was like some down 
debate nights, Mom told me, because they have a TV and they get MSNBC. But I've been checking out. I will say, funny enough, my favorite thing about Pete, actually, right now, is Chapman. Mm, yeah. like, you know, it's so interesting. We've had so many visible female spouses through the years of varying degrees of, like, how much they wanted to be involved, how impactful they were. You think about how important so many of the things Michelle Obama said were to Obama's candidacy. Right. And it's thrilling and exciting to see Chapman being the most, like, delightfully vanilla version of, like, perfect gay. Yeah. You know, it's like his memes are, like, a little, right. like, so charming and so unaffected. And I know there's people who are very, that are frustrated by he's, they're very, like, vanilla, heteronormative appealing queer people, but I think not acknowledging that that is right. probably the way that the, the door bursts open at first. I think that's um, him, though, too. He has such a homophobic
they've done an amazingly smart campaign. They didn't spend the money until they had it. They saved the money until they got it all done, and they're spending it very smartly. Uh, I just think they're doing everything right so far in the yeah. campaign, which is kind of nice. Yeah. I gave them a buck. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I gave him a little more than a buck. And I just want that he's so the, the, the candidate who's gay, who served his country, a military guy. He didn't dodge the draft. He served his country proudly. He's articulate and well-spoken and has, like, great views. And I really, really hope that he is – like the younger generations are like, oh, okay, this shouldn't be a factor if he's gay or not. You well, know what I mean, you know, he may not. I mean, but right. Know, this is his first time going. Yeah, he's he's young. Yeah, he's very young. I mean, my honest opinion is that this exploded far beyond their expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you look at his journey, he's very, he's done a very interesting, smart, like failing upward thing. Like he overreaches, but that like gets him awareness and introductions. He did it where he's from as well. You know, he right. for something he had no chance of winning, but that helped build relationships and opportunity that let, you know, it's like one step up, two steps up, fall one back, but you're further than you. I think they genuinely thought like, great, we'll get the like the national gay thing out of the way with this primary thing. Right. And figure out whether we want a new senator or governor or whatever. And I, I feel like they had meetings where they were like, oh shit, y'all, this like, I mean, we may we still may not win, but we are way <laughs> that list. You know, in a great way. Yeah, yeah. I was no, going to say they did that poll. It was like I think it was I don't I think it was like sixty percent or something or or of Americans are comfortable with the LGBT candidate right. running. So I'm like, this is at least a huge stepping off point. And he went from one percent to twelve percent. Yeah, that I, I don't it was that expected. Yeah, that first time televised town hall where like literally like. Right. Nobody had heard of, and everybody watched TV that Monday night and was like, "What? Is, who is this?" Right. Was that the one where he was on Fox? No, no, no. no, no the CNN. No, even that one, I was like, Fox one was pretty good too. Yeah, and he got a standing ovation. Yeah, he that did. Was pretty cool. Um, what do we think, though? I mean, uh, as far as 2020 comes, um, is the LGBT issue? I mean, we're getting so trounced in a lot of political things now, from trans in the military, from not not acknowledging pride doing these things, and, but they have the women abortion thing. Is this going to be enough to offset Trump? He's on a... I mean, I have no idea. It's going to be a tough idea. year to win. How are we going to win this? I have no idea. We got to. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think I could live through four more years. Well, he might not either, so... <laughs> the Secret Service will be at your house tomorrow. No, I meant, I meant like health-wise. Oh, okay, good. Health-wise. Age-wise. You know, it's... it's I just want an adult in the White House. You know, I just, it's, well, I get for someone nice. Someone nice. Oh, I'm really motivated, though. Nice. So, the young people just aren't voting. That's not true. Young people have, like, voted in the last election, like, yeah. bigger than they ever Thanks. have for that age bracket. Like, but now, but now you have, like, in this next election, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of, like, Puerto Rican uh, refugees after the hurricane are coming into Florida now. You have a lot of, you know, the younger kids who were involved with the Parkland shootings who are going to be able to vote now. <laughs> That's what I want is I want that passion and that outrage from the past four years to go into the polls it, and be heard. To me, there's a disconnect between oh, all of us <laughs> between all of us who by lifestyle, choice or interest have the time to pay attention to this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. I go back to thinking about people who don't, who get their news at most at best in thirty minutes while dinner is happening right. on the nightly news and that is it. You know, like 
Twitter and 24-hour news give all of us a false sense of everyone else's knowledge and attention. Because, you know, you see a story 30,000 times and then it's trending on Twitter and then right. you see it on, you know, Rachel and Anderson. Like, whoever you're watching, right. there is a not insignificant part of our country who, it's not even like that they don't have And so I always go back to what's terrifying is the economy, no matter what we do in rights and things, the economy tends to be the greatest influencer. And if people feel like they're doing well, they vote comfortable. And if people feel like they're doing bad, they vote for change. And you know, for all of the terrible, horrible things that he's done, that this administration has done, that they are pursuing, the economy is not in bad shape. Right. And that, be tough. that to me is scary. I think it's going to be very tough. Because voting beyond your own is difficult. Right. But I, I, I feel like that, um, you know, the, the one thing that we do on a daily basis is, you know, we go on control. I troll Trump and I say mean things and I do this and Oh, after Don Jr., whatever. But I go, Tuesday, you know. <laughs> I don't know why. I just hate that little motherfucker. He's a weasel. He's the most offensive version of, like, inherent uh, privilege. Yeah, oh, right. right. Like, I just want to, like, I really would have a hard time if I go to a person and not slap him. Well, because um, also, like, at least Ivanka, like, works the same. Yeah. What? She's terrible. She's like, right. she like right. tried to start businesses and things. In Taiwan, make America, America first, China. Someone has to tie Don Jr.'s tie in the morning and like get him out the door. And it's not Melania. No, it's not his But 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 I I I say this in my new show. I say the one thing that we have to do is we have to get off our asses and we have to do more than on Twitter. Yeah. And I go, what what happened in Alabama for me was a huge huge influence in the way I thought I could help because we saw with Roy Moore was uh-huh. going to win that election even though alleged pedophile. Even, yeah. But well, you know, when fourteen people come out and yeah. say you are, maybe you are. Yeah. You know? And and besides let's just put all that aside. He's just a horrible human. He's creepy. He's okay. awful. He's done awful, awful things. Yeah. I mean for years. Right. But you know, Alabama, yeah, we're going and then <clears throat> black women and women said no. And they activated, they drove people to the polls. I mean, I, I don't know if y'all remember this, but Enterprise had this one, you know, conservative franchise that closed down so that people would not get cut because there was no fan available in Alabama. I never there. heard that. Yeah, they either, yeah. It, 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 they were driving people to the polls. So when, when I was playing Jackson last year, right before you, my guest the special election with Sidney Hyde-Smith, uh, I decided I'm going to stay two extra days because I want to do something. And I, I, I went and I worked at firm phone banks and went out and, you know, all they what they can to drop and, and not drop and run, but drop and run. <laughs> drop and run. <laughs> <laughs> That's drop, King John. Go drop and run. Drop and run. Drop and run. Drop and run is me on the stage. Drop and drop. And I was, it was just so, I mean, he didn't win, but he, God, he came close. He came really close. He came so close. In Mississippi. Yeah. Right. You know, racist black woman beat him, you know. I'm hoping that we just get our act together. From Ohio, we had an interesting perspective in the election last year for, pres- or for president. Um, in Ohio, always a swing state, very purplish for a long time. We had a lot, I'm in the most Democratic county in the entire state. And the one next to me, second most, and two more. But we have probably a 35% switchover to Trump. 
Um, but the thing that I found most disheartening is we did phone banks from our house. Um, and I had phone banks come in. The phone banks were so bad, we would get go through 30 pages, dozen charge readers a day that one we called. We would get 30 pages of people to call, and there was maybe one page of active people that were still correct. Oh, Their information oh. was so out of date that it's like, and I think, and they talked about that. Trump had such a, a good, Republican, the RNC put together such a good database that we need to get on the technology side. I think. Well, they, when I worked on, on Mike Epstein's campaign, they actually had a really great list. There were very few that you know, didn't okay. answer. Or, but in that, it was mostly landlocked. And that's mm-hmm. where we're missing, right. I think, the young, because yeah. everybody was old that I talked to. Yeah, yes. But if you start calling on cell phone, uninvited, I'm going to drive to where you are and set you on fire. Well, the, the, and he will. You know, I did it. This was a list. These were all registered Democrats who had somehow opted in to the phone, phone calls that were reminders. So we did, we got every now and then there was a wrong number. Right. Now we had a whole I, My favorite numbers. response was someone said, I'm a goddamn Republican and I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you are. That was it. I love it. I, all right. Because even people I'm going to vote for, when I get phone calls from Hollywood, whatever, I get irrationally angry. I did not sign up for this. Wherever yeah. you got my number from, so it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on to you. And I'm voting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. No, they, they go a little crazy with the calls. Like I said, Ohio is such a swing state. We get a jillion calls there and, and during season time. Well, it's changed. Something's changed with you. I get Nina West. I got no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean I mean the, the phone system. Because we used right. to not get these calls all the time. Yeah. I get them from Marriott. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into each of these guys. Let's uh, move on. We're going to move on here. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of Brandon and James. Speaking of politics, this is Wicked Games. Uh, you're listening to Left of Trade Show right here on the Left of Trade Radio Network. We're going to have a cocktail. See you in just a couple minutes. Yes, yes. 
Qué maldito está mi cuerpo que te siente así. Qué maldito está mi mente que te siente así. Qué maldito está mi pecho que palpita por ti. And getting rejected and getting rejected and uh, and some um, 
not a, you know, it's unlike sissies with multiple people, and it's just me. Right. So I'm just grateful that when anybody says yes. So. And remind everyone a little bit about what, what, who these six characters are and how you come across them. Well, there's, there's, uh, you know, these are, the, the concept is these are six people that I have met who have inspired me because I just ripped people from life and put them into my work, and they haven't quite landed in one of my play films or TV shows yet, and they're sort of circling the block. So you get them first through six characters, Very and uh, five women and one man. Very nice. And then currently you're, you're doing another tour, the shit tour we had you on the show not to, about four months ago and talked about that a bit. How's that been going? It's been going um, good. I had a great weekend the other day. I was in uh, Georgia. In uh, Dewey Rose, Georgia, at a, a clothing optional gay campground, and uh, they had sort of like the weekend. And Bo Bridges had seen that I was appearing in Georgia, like two hours from Atlanta. He's filming a series there, so he wrote me and he said, "Hey, Wendy and I want to come see your show in Dewey Rose. We're gonna we're, we're gonna get a hotel close by." And I'm like, "Oh, Bo, this is not really the show." <laughs> But, you know, I thought about it, and, I, and he's such a good friend, and I knew it would be fine. And I told him exactly what it was, and I said, if you're comfortable with that, there's going to be a lot of naked men walking around. And I cleared it with the campground, because some of them don't like women. Right, but They sure. were fine with, with Wendy coming as well. And they arrived, and Bo Bridges was the best celebrity ever, because he just loved every minute of it. I mean, we there was this, he arrived, we visited in my cabin, and then there's this golf uh, cart processional to Peggy's Wake. <laughs> and they all the golf courses, the competition. Right. And then they, all the characters. So he's seeing drag queens as Juanita and, and, and Sissy and Brother Boy. And, and so we arrived, and they have a full coffin with Gloria Leroy's picture on it. And a big spray of flowers, and everybody's there, you know, pretending to, you know, grieve. grieve. And I said, Bo, you will make huge points if you walk into this thing just screaming, Peggy, 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 Peggy. And he did it. Oh, that's wow. And this naked guy comes up to me because <laughs> I'm judging the, the, the costumes and very drunk <laughs> naked leather. He's been there for several years. <laughs> he goes, that one that uh, came as GW, the dead ringer. <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so I, the, the tour's been going well. I'm going to be performing uh, uh, Saturday in, at the Edge in Knoxville and then going to Spartanburg for the Fringe Festival on Sunday, performing there. Then I'm coming back to L.A. on July the 26th. 627th performing two shows at Casita del Campo, the Cavern Club, and then one show in uh, San Francisco at the Oasis on August the 10th. And then I'm done with the shit stir for a long time because I've got to pause and do theater. But you got some big theater projects. Talk about that a bit. I mean, you have a couple of big, amazing projects. Uh, well, I, we have, um, I, I wrote a new play that I've been working on for several years, actually, called This Side of Crazy. It's a four women of uh, play and it's premiering uh, the world premiere is uh, September the 28th in San Francisco at the New Conservatory Theater Center and I'm directing there so I'm getting my daughter Caroline lives there so I'm really excited just to land in San Francisco be the longest I've ever been there so I'll be there for like seven weeks oh that's fantastic I'm literally pausing everything I'm going to Pensacola to their film festival in the middle of it for two days but other than that 
I'm just focusing on that. Coming back to L.A., and then we're going to, uh, early 2000, we're going to do a Dallas, uh, a L.A. and then a Dallas production of the same play. It opens in Nashville in June. Uh, I'm not directing that one, but I'm directing the other ones. And then there's going to be a, uh, another big theater project that I really can't discuss quite yet, but it will, you know how it will thrill cool. a lot of people. Very cool. So it's another play. So now, how do you about. talk about doing all this other stuff? You're a writer by trade. I mean, you write, like, do you still write in between all this? Do you have to get to a typewriter every day, or do these things take your mind away from that? I write or rewrite or critique every day. And, uh, you know, I've been working with Emerson on a lot of TV projects. And so I write on my own stuff in the morning, and then we collaborate after 11. I have, like, writing time, creative right. time, gym, and then I write with Emerson, and we do other stuff, you know, uh, to – with our with our businesses and, and all the social media and all that, but I, I I do have to write in some way in some form right. every day. Okay, almost every day. I give myself like the weekend. And on the weekends, there's Twitter. You know that's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> then we spend an outlet. Yeah, an outlet. Well, talk about that. What do you do on your time off? Do you, do you make it out here to Palm Springs? Or do you ever have any time off to yourself? What do you I like do. to do when it's downtime? It's hard. <laughs> I mean it in a good way. You just love work. You love working. You know, it's, you tend to get, from my view, you get done with like, okay, that's the real work. And then you have like fun work that's still work, but I like doing this so it doesn't feel like work. Like free, free time is not a big Yeah, Emerson, Emerson has had to make some rules with me that, you, you know, you can't call me at 11. Radio Network. 
you back in just a few minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Alrighty, we are back. That is the 
David Hernandez from American Idol. Guys, we're talking to Del Shores, Emerson Collins, and Justin Martindale. Emerson, let's jump over to you here a bit. You've had a, a busy year so far. We talked a little bit about what you're working with Del. You and Del work all the time. Talk about um, what your part is. I mean, you said Del always gives you credit for being keeping everything organized and stuff like that. What do you uh, like? What are you working on right now that really kind of gets you moving? The only thing I'm working on right now that is exciting <laughs> is we really are writing on a bunch of stuff. So it's really exciting. You know, it was very new last year for the first time. He and I wrote a pilot idea of his together. We've been now, we've been doing this for 13, 14 years. Right. And I have grown through the years to be able to have significant input, you know, in his process. I had lots of contribution to a very sort of wedding to the ideas, but it's still like his journey and his process and his work. So we've, I've always wanted to, we've talked a lot about it. And he said, I really want to facilitate, you know, you doing that and come up with some ideas together. <laughs> and then it came down to this, this one pilot, it was a really great pilot idea. We, we sent it around last year. People really loved the writing. Nobody bought it. So we're moving, continuing on, but it's a big part of his story. And he finally said, look, I have so many things going on. If we don't do this together, I won't get it done, so let's do this. And so it was our first adventure in that part together, and it's a lot. You know, we joked earlier about um, his control freak thing, but it's really out of, you know, the characters he creates are so specific, the voices are so specific. He wrote the entire sort of like the series by himself. People do not do that. That's mm-hmm. not done. That's not right. a real thing. It takes a team of people. And so it was a big, exciting thing and also a very interesting new shift for us to, sh- to share that process together. Describe, you know, you have what's in your head and what's in your head and, and creating it as a space together. Um, and it was an incredibly fulfilling, totally new, basically, experience for me. And we had a blast with it. And the real answer is, we, I am so proud of the work we have done together. We have made movies about domestic violence, religion and sexuality, and marriage equality. We have hit some issues, and I want to sell something to somebody who has more money than us. Check the box. Yeah. The next thing. Yeah. So we've been so we've been really brainstorming and having a great time this year, fleshing out a bunch of different pilot ideas and um and, and kind of very very response from uh, and having people respond well. We've got a new movie idea I'm working on. So that's far none the only exciting thing that I'm currently working on, and I love it. It's a blast. Well, and, and the thing I, is that Emerson. I was telling Emerson the other day. I've been not working on a lot of staffs, and I've worked with a lot of people. But Emerson acts like he's been doing this forever. It's like I mean, you know, all the experience that he's had as an actor and as a producer and as a director as well. Now as a writer, he's just like he. It's like he's been in a writer's room his entire life. He really gets. Well, I've always said I've loved his writing from day one. It's like I've read a lot of his old articles you see in Texas and things like that. Um, talk about writing, directing, producing, what what kind of feeds your creative energies the most? Um, I mean, all of it. You know, the, the real reality is I would love to get paid enough money to be, like, on a series or a film where the actor is the job, and then I can use the hiatus time, the in-between time, the days I'm not working, to continue to facilitate, like, producing and creating and writing our own stuff. The, all of the rest of it came out of, you know, trying to support that. That said, I'm of the world of, like, anything to to be involved in creating, whatever it takes. I mean, I, you know, took out the trash at the end of the night, shooting Southern Baptist Sissies, whatever it takes to be. And I find them all fulfilling in different ways, as we all know. I can talk a lot and have lots of opinions. 
writing part's great because it's saying the things you want to say. The acting part is great because it's being the one to actually tell the story. They all feed different aspects of being creative. But this was exciting and, and terrifying in a different way because I spoke Fox very well, mm-hmm. which is the kind of writing that I've done before. But that's, you know, it's a fundamentally different right. thing, um, creative and dialogue and that sort. So it's a very, you know, always keep working at new skills and new things. It's something I've always wanted to do. And sort of been a little scared, you know, to be like, here's some, like, terrible, like, dumb thing I wrote. <clears throat> and knowing brilliant, brilliant writers. And so having him guide along through the process and be able to share it. Be like, right, is that, is that good? Yes. Is that good? No. Okay, great. Let's, 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 let's go. You know, and putting a new puzzle together. It's been really, really fantastic. And he has to allow me to get sidetracked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the ongoing, you know, we joke, because, like, one of my best friends all of my life, and, you know, this journey from mentor to friend to brother right. to partner. Um, but we are two very different kinds of people, which is why we work so well together, because we meet in the middle in so many ways. Right. But there are funny things about our personalities. You know, sometimes I'm, a, I'm too short, and sometimes he's too long. You know that. I'm, I'm more likely to be like, uh-huh, yeah, which, and be an asshole about it. And he's <laughs> like 30 minutes later, you know, there's, there's the end of that story that you had a good time telling. And it's great. We have so much fun. But I'm like, yes, please, let's just find the one to sell to somebody for money. And I have to, with my characters, I have to go into, well, what happened at their fifth grade <laughs> birthday party that caused this trauma that they're having now? <laughs> Talk about going from producing Parker to directing him now and directing live. You're not directing on film, so you don't have, uh, you don't have the, that many takes you can do, or I'm sure you use the live audience, but talk about that aspect. How was that to do? Exactly. I mean, it was great. You know, we joke, but I have just as many control issues. That's why we get along. Or it's just line up in all those, you know, <laughs> in all those same places. Um, and directing him was a, a, a specific and unique moment that I'm specifically skilled for. Because the, the concept of a one-man show where you're playing multiple characters comes out of exactly the experience I had of doing buyer and seller as an actor. So able to approach it both from, I know you as a person, I know you as a writer, I know you as a performer, and I know specifically this kind of performing made it really easy for us to sort of speak the same language and say things in a way that he was able to trust. You know, me sitting out here, I can, that, that is good, that works, right. and, and that will give you what you as the audience member and the director on other things would want. Right. We had a blast. It was super fun. Right. Yeah, but I will tell you that when I'm looking at six characters, and I say it all the time, he probably gets annoyed at me. I go, oh, that was Emerson. That was not me. Right? <laughs> it's like there's a moment in the in the, in the, the trailer, which is my favorite moment of the trailer, where it's Marsha, the, the, um, the lesbian with COPD, the monkey-hating lesbian with right. COPD. And she, there's a moment where she walks across the stage pushing the thing. It was very detailed. And the walk, and what, how does she walk? What does she do? How does she speak? And I love it so much. Like, you know, it's just like nice. that. You just go right into it, and there's this body function that becomes muscle. But that was all Emerson. I mean, That's Emerson fantastic. challenged me to be just make, you know, down to the detail of which hand does she smoke with. You know, you're, you're, you keep switching the hand, making a decision. And it's true, you know, we have, we all... That's attention to detail, my friend. Very cool. Well, so, you know, the, what was so brilliant is done stand-up forever. And in always doing stand-up has basically acted out stories, what you might say, like, 80%. You know, it's like doing it, doing the voice in a hand, but it's like, it's not the same as doing it as a play. But 
very close, which makes actually that last 20% harder to achieve than for somebody that's, like, not good at telling a story. You're just right. like, this is what you should do. You know, it's like really locking it down so that all of the characters feel really different and distinct, and then your body remembers, oh, right, Sarah smokes this way, and Bobby smokes this way. So, and I had both hands. I usually have a mic. <laughs> and I had like, the left. But the, the, the other thing that it was like, when I was on tour, I would always hear Iverson's voice in my head because when <laughs> I first started performing Justin, you can probably relate to this because, I mean, we love it. Stand-up, we just love connecting with an audience. Yeah. And if someone comes in late, it's like, well, why are you late? Everybody yeah. else made it. You're like, oh. <laughs> and I stopped the show one night in this scripted show, and he was in the audience, and he goes, you are never allowed to do that again. <laughs> he goes, this is a play. You do not do that in it's hard to restart and get it back. And, you know, in stand-up, it's a very different animal. Yeah, because with a stand-up, you're writing with the, uh, every audience is different. You're writing that audience. Sure. You're giving them their show. But, I, the, but my favorite thing I ever said was, because you push back, you know, like you do. Right. Well, but then I said, okay, you, the actor, are doing a disservice to you, the writer, mm-hmm. if you don't deliver it the way you wrote it. I was well, like, oh, that's nice. That's well, because, true. you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. the absolute genius. So, like, you're, you're not going to do it better in a moment <laughs> than you did when you had time to think about it. You know, tell that story. And because the momentum of the journey of the piece is just jaw-dropping. And right. the thing I've always loved about all of this work is you were just crying, laughing, and then actually crying. You know, that, that the range, using humor to, to create buffer around really intense, revealing, and surprising drama. Is the greatest gift, and this show is perfectly crafted. So just do it. Um, there you go. <laughs> so just do and it. Speaking on distributing all this work we have out there, it was so kind of cool to see sort of wedding playing on airplanes and everything. Yeah. But now you're doing Broadway HD, which I just fell in love with about three months ago. I love. I can see my plays because I'm a Broadway fiend. Talk about the Broadway HD. It's, it's so you know Southern Baptist Disney. So we did in 2012, 13, and it is airing on Broadway HD this month for Pride Month. You can stream it for free if you start a seven-day trial on Broadway HD and then you just cancel it. You know, I'm not, I don't care. (laughs) So you can technically watch it for free, though they have great shows. And it's the perfect home, honestly, for Sissies. This this unique hybrid that we created fits perfectly for an audience looking for opportunity to see original theater. Um, And it's also thrilling. It's so funny because I've been posting clips and photos and I'm like, so we weren't doing social media the way it's done now. When Sissy's happened, like Sissy's was right at the beginning. Like my Instagram, literally the first photo on it, the second photo was like me and Leslie at the Abbey one night with Jonna, who played the stripper, right after like a Sissy's rehearsal. Like my Instagram wow. started at Southern Baptist Sissy. So it's like, I have all this material, and I'm really hoping this, unless a whole new group of audience really looking for it, it find it. I'm getting half of it. Tweets and Instagram DMs. I was thinking people who awesome. didn't know who missed it the first time. Also, I was not famous yet because we were at film festivals with Southern Baptist Sissies when the People's Couch first shot. I mean, not that I'm famous now, but I was definitively less so. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one I met. Yeah, because I saw Southern Baptist. I didn't know who that was. I saw that play, um, the movie, and it was like, it's amazing. That's why. Is that how you say where you used to my work? Yeah.
this they geared me towards it. Maybe and you got to see stuff like this because I don't have a religious background at all, but I was kind of I'm all into the just just the story of it. So I was reading stories. I was trying to get content. I couldn't see much no, yeah. stuff at the time, and so he kind of turned me on to this. It's like I was amazed with the accidents and oh my god, this writing is too. So I went to you, and there it was just. Then I found the podcast went from there. Well, it, it, I must be doing something right because I got my first little hate. Yay! Oh, uh, publicity! If someone, again, someone on Instagram, I don't know why they're following me, I have no idea, but they said, why are you bashing Southern Baptists? And I said, have you seen the movie? No. Well, then get back to me after you do. There you go. Good answer. But, but mostly, we're, we're having, I, I love that there's a new generation that's actually seeing it. A lot of, you know, yeah. Emerson has brought, you know, a lot of younger fans. And, right. you know, and Willem, I mean, my God, Willem posted the other day. Yeah. Went crazy people. <laughs> they had no idea he was in it. There were yeah. so many who didn't know. He's got such a huge fan base. And so it's, it's and Leslie's been posting about it. So we're getting a new life, with Sissy, which is kind of beautiful. Right. And like I said, that's where I first came across your acting, Emerson. Your acting is amazing. I was so bummed I never got to come out and see Buyer and Seller. You're trying to get that off. That's just an amazing show. But you did get to go do Rent and play all these different characters. I still have it on my DVR. Talk about that experience, what that was like, doing live again, and uh, talk about the experience. It was genuinely thrilling from beginning to end. You know, I the Honestly, I got the audition notice, and I read it and thought it was just for some, like, Santa Monica theater. <laughs> right. um, and I was like, I mean, I love this show, but I'm like going into this, you know, this series of uh, featured ensemble moments. And, like, I had to read it again to realize it was for the real one. And then my second thought was, I can personally name 30 guys on Broadway today, like, who could do this, who all know this, you know, Chelsea's casting office. And I was like, but sure. Universe, absolutely. You brought this to my door. I love this show. I can sing it from beginning to end. I'm of the age where it was the show that made musical theater cool for all of us kids, you know, that were uh, in love with it. I'll go in. Went in, did the first audition. They're really lovely. But I I was like, I listened to like eight guys before me. And I was like, everyone here is stunning. You know, this giant moment in the show that we're all singing, the Will I Number. Um, And I was like, but I got to do this today. This was wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. And then I got a call for the callback. It said it's with Michael Bryce, who directed the original production. He built it with Jonathan Larson. Like, he was there from the beginning. Like, things in the show are different because of he read and worked through it. He was like, I don't understand. You know, this. They really built it together and was directing this for Fox and was at the callback. Went in, spent 15 minutes with him, 45 seconds of music. He asked me in the audition, he said, if we cut off all your hair, you can put lesions on your face. I said, okay. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, genuinely, I was like, that's what was happening. So, yeah. yes. And also, I was like, who says no? Like, yeah. who says no to this? But sure, right. okay. Um, and so they're really lovely. And then so a couple of weeks later, I got the call. And I was sort of convinced that it was a mistake. Like, until the first day. I was like, I will finally feel relaxed about this once I've sung it in front of everybody and it's fine. And I'm being self-deprecating. I started musical theater. I studied vocal performance at Baylor. I did tons of musicals until I moved to L.A. And then just haven't as much here. But so it is It is my background and it's in my DNA. But there's still an element of, you know, there's seven featured players below the eight principals. 
and between the other six of them, they've been in 40 Broadway shows or whatever. I mean, J.L.A. Marcos by herself has been in 10. It's like, and I was on a people's couch to saying shitty things about other people's TV shows. That's the same, right? Uh, but that aside, it was really great. You know, the original costume designer was there. Michael talked a lot about really wanting to focus on the heart of this story and really spent a lot of time talking to the young cast about the AIDS crisis and what it meant. I mean, they are all young enough. They really don't know. Sure. I, you know, we, just in my experience, is different than those before us. But talking about putting the graphics on screen and talk to me very specifically about wanting this role of Steve and the AIDS support group to be different than it's ever been done before. You know, the original production and the tour is like really wanting the, the sickness to be apparent right. for that to impact the vocal performance. The narcissist to me was like, okay, but I want it to still sound pretty. Like, I don't want to <laughs> that I'm making a small choice on purpose, not that I can't. <laughs> who did the orchestration with this giant 23-piece orchestra. Um, and across the board, everybody was wonderful. There was something about the spirit of this piece. Just for social media alone, it looks like everyone really got along. I mean, you were showing posts of everybody from the stars to the extras to everything. It just seemed like they really yeah. met. And, I mean, with this many one-man, you know, people in a cast, you know, Tinashe, Valentina, Mario, you know, that's a lot of people who only go by single monikers. But j- and every one of them is amazing to watch work. Everybody has to be an asshole to, to be difficult while doing random. I, I know, but I think there's a lot of people who could accomplish that. Like right. I just, right. and it, and it comes from the top down. You know, Sonia Taya who did the choreography and Michael, where they were glorious leaders of like the, the weird set piece. Of that. I mean, the set was amazing. Jason Sherwood, who did the set design, is incredible. He just did the Spice World tour. He's done Sam Smith's tour. I mean, he is a brilliant designer, and you should look him up online because he's also incredibly handsome. Um, it was exquisite. This like giant football arena um, of this unit set, you know, that could really feel like it's all existing in the same world and moving about. And I was so thrilled to watch these young people dive into these roles fearlessly. Vanessa Hudgens made my jaw drop. The first day we were in the, actually on the soundstage, we're all working on things. And I look over and on the loft by herself is Vanessa Hudgens rolling around on the ground running that monologue. Like, no pretense, no, like, I have work to do, I have a space to work in it now, and I am over here doing my work. I was impressed with I didn't think I would be, and I was actually Oh, I loved her. I loved it, too, because her version of Maureen was so different in a way that I thought was so smart that so worked, because Maureen today, to me, would be a social media influencer. Right. Like, she doesn't want to be, like... Right, exactly. It's not about being a performer, it's about attention. She dragged all her friends on Christmas Eve to a New York City parking lot in the cold to watch a three-minute monologue she made up in her apartment. Right. This is just an artist. <laughs> um, and they were fantastic. And Valentina, you know, who we, many of us do and love, who we post drag race, we're all stars was airing at the same time as we were rehearsing, and Valentina didn't care. She was in this rehearsal, learning things, wanting to know things. She'd never done anything like this before. Right. She's like, these are my questions. What do I need to do? Can I run this again? I'm ready. Truly, truly giving a killer amount of effort into making this show work. Well, it was incredible. I thought it was a great production. I, you were amazing on all of your levels of your different roles. I think it was fun. They did fun things. I thought that Vanessa had some great choices. I liked the outfit with the Mark sweatshirt and everything with the huge sight gag. And yeah. they, they, there was some cleverness to it. So I did have 11 costume changes and four facial hair changes to put the lead. Somebody did count and figure out that I did have the most. Because we had three and a half minutes like 
go from the live cafe, lesions on the face, walk up into the loft, and you know, burst into tears. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like Bring a chair show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think chairs are absolutely. Walk up the stairs and burst into tears. It was an amazing show. I appreciate everything you do. Thanks for being back on the show. Always listen. We got one more segment left. We're going to be talking to Mr. Justin Martindale. <laughs> Guys, we're going to play off to a little Jay Knight. I love how you love me. We're on our last segment. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here live from Palm Springs, California. <laughs> Back. I'm here with Emerson 
Collins, Del Shores, and of course now Justin Martindale. Justin, it's been two years since we had you on the show. Yeah. You've been doing so much really cool things. I want to talk about all this stuff. Let's start with you got to get the heck out of Dodge tonight because you're going to go back to E. Yeah. You've been doing so many projects with them. You're in this What's the Fashion. So much fun. How did it come about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> it, it came about. It was a. I had a, uh, a tumultuous, long relationship with the E! Network. They, they, they loved me, but they just didn't know what to do with me. And so they, they, they got out of comedy for a bit, and then they wanted to get back into it, and they wanted to do this pilot fashion police that just ended, um, meaning Joan Rivers. <laughs> and um, I had written for her maybe like two two episodes for that. Okay. And my first assignment was the Met Gala, you know, just the Met Gala. Just the Met Gala. And we went over to Joan's house, uh, I'm sorry, Melissa's house, where all the writers all got together and were pitching jokes and stuff, and it just felt right. And so once I finished that, um, they had me in for these, you know, non-airing pilots and chemistry tests and this and that and that and this, and then finally they were like, oh, we want to do like a reboot, like um, millennial kind of a fashion police for Snapchat. And uh, I went in, and originally it was Morgan Stewart's show, who's my co-host, and then I just kind of went in there and we just clicked, and then we tested out for the third person, and we went with Zuri Hall, who's already a um, correspondent for E, and we just all kind of meshed and had fun and uh then snapchat was like um no justin's the host so i was like oh all right and i just thought it was just kind of like this you know one-time gig and you know here we are in our second season and it airs every thursday on snapchat discover and we're just having having a blast of all the things that you've done we ever think the fashion would be part of your repertoire no i mean that. you're asking a guy sitting in a fruit loop speedo <laughs> and that's it and like uh it's it's fun because I get to learn about it. Like I get to see the trends and what 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 the kids are wearing these days. <laughs> but it also like educates me because if we talk about celebrity that I have no idea who they are, and if I mention it, I get hate from it. They're like, "You need to resign. How dare you? Quit your job. Kill yourself." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." I'm sorry if I'm a grown man and don't know who a 16 year old pop star is. But I will take that and, like, listen to them and educate myself right. so that I become acquainted with it. And at the end of the day, like Taylor Swift says, everyone just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fashion. It's supposed to be stupid. It's not it's, – I'm not saying I'm the best-dressed person at all or, or like, I know what fashion is. It's right. just I feel like it's a way of expression, and I feel like if you're, if you're expressing yourself, then you need to be poked fun at, you know? I feel like everybody deserves to get – make fun of every now and then. Because in, in, at, at the end of the day, it's a form of flattery, you know? Have you ever gotten in trouble for anything you said or anything that may have went over the line just a little bit? On the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a, there was a uh, I think it was Katy Perry at the Met Gala, and she was walking around in that burger outfit. That's now with the Taylor Swift video. <laughs> Full circle. Um, and I said something, and they and they used it in the bloopers, and uh, it wasn't really a blooper. It was just me being a fun. I was like, she looks like an idiot. I'm like, we can't post this, because then people are going to think I'm, like, having this feud with Katy Perry, and I don't, that's not my brand. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got, I, I, I remember uh, Billie Eilish was 
two, and people were just like, who? Billie Eilish? She's like a 16-year-old. She's a mood. She has that song, Bad Guy. She's kind of like no a clue. You will. I'll, she, she's kind of hot right now. So, But, you know, she writes songs with her brother, and, and she's, she's like this like angsty, angsty teen that the world needs right now. But I didn't know who she was, and people were like, quit your job. <laughs> Move back home. Like, oh, my goodness. And talk about, I mean, you've been doing stand-up for a while. I've been following your career lots of years, going from – Two o'clock in the morning to headlining a comedy store and everything. Yeah. Now, how did this gig with Jim Jeffries come? Uh, actually, he called me. Uh, Jim and I did a show maybe like six years ago called the Goddamn Comedy Jam, which is a really, really fun show in L.A. where he takes comics and he gives them a live band and they sing a song that like kind of inspired them as for like growing up. You know what I mean? And so Jim had done Sgt. Pepper from the Beatles. And I did George Michael's Freedom 90, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we just kind of, like, had – we just kicked it off and, like, became really good friends. And uh, uh, he just called me up one day and was like, hey, um, do you ever, like, go on the road? And I'm like, well, I've done it before, yeah. And he was like, well, how do you feel about, like, you know, opening up for other people? And I'm like, are you asking me to feature for you? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, I will accept this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I just, you know, we, it's his new tour. He's, 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 uh, he's getting ready to tape it for Netflix. But, um, yeah, I pretty much get two dates uh, a month. And I get to, you know, go out. It's the first time I've ever performed in front of, like, theaters. And, I mean, it's like I'm used to, like, comedy clubs. And this is, like, here I am at the Grand Ole Opry on the Grand Ole Opry stage in Nashville where I'm like, as a kid, I was like, wow, you know, and yeah, they sure. put me in the Women of Country Music Dressing Room. It was amazing. There was a fanning couch. Hey, Martin, that oh, on the, on the shade lounge? And so did I. I put my ass on that. And Martina McBride's looking right down at me. Oh, my um, God. My mom was there, you know, and then, you know, you get into these venues of like 3,000 people and it's, it's and you know that the hard work and all that has kind of paid off to get you to this point, and it's really exciting, especially being an openly gay person. As far as I know, I'm the only openly gay comic who's getting to open for a heterosexual white male. Right. And just being given that opportunity yeah. with that platform is just really cool. I want to talk about that for a second, because we have um, all these, you see female out comics getting Netflix specials out the wazoo. I mean, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Nanette, I... Um, rightfully so. Great things. You have a lot of different people out there. You don't see that many male Netflix out celebrities getting their own specials or anything. What's the juxtaposition in comedy where it's harder to get out there? What seems to be the issue? Um, I feel... I feel like women especially are given a harder time um, because it is such a predominantly straight male field. And so I feel like Netflix and Comedy Central are more like, you know, women women just get shit on for being comics and they're, oh, they're not funny and da 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 And, like, I, I hang out with a lot of women and a lot of female comics. Um, it's just cool to see them getting that opportunity to showcase. And I think 
the gay the gay aspect of it is coming up sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. Like I know I know Mateo Lane, who's a New York comic. Right. He has he did like a thirty a half hour Comedy Central right. special. Joel Kim Booster, who is uh, a New York guy who now lives in L.A. Um, there is there is that visibility that's happening. Um, but it has been a little difficult because you you are competing with drag queens. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you've got Trixie Mattel and Jinx Monsoon and Bianca Del Rio who have these personas with a wig and a guitar and, you know, a, a microphone right. who are doing that. So it's like when you don't have that, I mean, I Emerson seen me in drag, and I look like Renee Russo's evil twin. Um, <laughs> True, like Latina Renee Russo. Latina, yeah, yeah. With a little bit of Martha Clinton. Um, but it's like, again, it's like me, I want people to see me for being funny and being authentic rather than a caricature. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not, my personality is not my personality, you know? Oh, sure. It's like I have a voice and I have things to say, but I mean, I, I wish I knew how to do a makeup tutorial. I really <laughs> do. But it's just, I, I love what you said that you want to be a comic first. In the yeah, I mean, I grew, up, I grew up watching like Robin Williams and Jim Carrey and Joan Rivers and Sam Kennison and Andrew Dice Clay and Roseanne and but, um, I love through. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I remember watching Comic Relief, Billy Crystal, and Whoopi Goldberg, and and just the fascination of these people just going up there by themselves and just murdering like crowds and just going wow. And I remember when I moved to LA, I remember driving down the street. Uh, I remember driving down Sunset Boulevard and looking at the comedy store and I was like, I want my name on that wall one day. And you know, it happened. <laughs> so I just feel like there's a voice for, um, I think people are ready. And, you know, I've got, I've got a little more, a little gayer in my set because I'm just kind of like, whatever. I don't care anymore. But I think your opportunity will always be not because you're gay. Right, no. You're funny. I'm a and funny, you do situational I'm a funny so person. Yeah. yeah. You're hysterical. And he works the audience like nobody. So great. I, I, I have to say one thing about what you said about female comics who happen to be lesbian. I go back to what you said about that. I think that, you know, one of the sides gets that special not because she's a lesbian, because she's fucking funny. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Margaret Cho, who is the B. Yeah. Um, she's a, the, yeah. She's the silent letter. No, she, she doesn't. <laughs> right. She, uh, she gets, you know, the acclaim she does, not because she's well, like Ellen. the B. Yeah. Ellen forgot funny, but that's what's so crazy to me is that everyone loves Ellen. However, a lot of people don't believe in how Ellen lives her life, but they love Ellen. Right. She's great, but but you know what? She you know, changed a lot of hearts and minds. She did. She had. Oh, I, I, absolutely. I was on Ellen. They they put a fashion show on Ellen the other day. <laughs> they did nice. a, little, a little clip from it. I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, we still have a long way to go. But I definitely feel like you know. Being a gay person and I'm, and I'm performing at like the most notorious club in the country, the Comedy Store Weekly. My name was on the marquee on Friday. You know, it's like there is awareness and they're trying to open minds. And it's like, yeah, I kind of am breaking down that 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 bro club, if you will. Like I'm friends with Joe Rogan and I'm, you know, these these straight guys, Crystalia, and you know, I see him in the hallway, we say hi, and right. you know, it, it's it's a brotherhood. And I feel like it doesn't need to necessarily be this like aggro bro mentality right. you know 
yeah, we're all crushing it, you know, but also it's like we're all we're all doing the same job, everyone. Calm down. Calm down. Plus, <laughs> yeah, and, and Del said exactly what I was thinking, more along the lines. It's like, it's just that you're great comedies. It, it doesn't need to be a gay comic because you're not no. a gay comic. I just want to see more of them out there. Happen, we happen to know we're gay because right well, now we don't know one of my one of my biggest things and I've said this for a long time is like the one thing that I hate about watching stand up comics is like if you see like an African American comic who gets up on stage and they're like, So I'm black and you're like, What? You know, <laughs> or like an Asian's like, Well, I'm Korean, you're like, right. We know. You know what I mean? Right. It's like we get it. And I just feel like there are some places where I get up on stage and like people don't know. They're trying, there's like a bet going on in the crowd. Like, <laughs> is he or isn't he? Or and then when I do say it, people are like, ah, we do it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. So. And talk about the upcoming project. You got um, work and more series. You have a series coming out in January, possibly. Talk about yeah. that. That's kind of fun. Yeah, we, um, we, my friend Justine Marino, uh, who's a comic, and uh, her friend Heidi, uh, we developed this show in, in the belly room of the comedy store about two years ago. It was called, um, well, let me go back. Uh, so there's, Jeff Roth has Roast Battle, which is right. like he's the Roast Master. And so we would see these comics just going up on stage and just tearing each other apart with insults and everything. And so we just kind of thought it would be funny. Justine came up with the idea of, like, how about instead of, like, using words and jokes, what if we... <laughs> had them dance off like, because nothing says more fun than a good old fashioned dance off. Sure. And, um, when you're a jet, you're a jet off. Yeah. Baby. So it's like, that's cool. You can use your words, but can you move? And so we started to show two years ago up in the belly room where we have two teams, of two, uh, two teams of two comics and, uh, they do a duet, uh, battle with their team. And then, the judges critique the duets, and then they do a solo round, and we judge the solos. And so this was a show that, I mean, I have never been a part of a show that had sold out every month. It was a monthly show. Every month it would sell out, standing room only. We would get actual choreographers who would judge. We would have other comics that would judge me. I'm the, I'm the anchor judge. I'm like the Simon Cowell. Um, and so then... E came and saw it, and they were like, oh, my God, we have to have this show. So we shot a pilot with them, and then they picked it up for eight episodes. So we take nice. eight episodes back in October. So the judges are myself, Allison Holker, who course, won Twitch. So You Think You Can Dance, Mrs. Twitch, and Lonnie Love from The Real, who is amazing. And then we just, we just have these comments just go up there, and, and the winner, whoever wins, gets $10,000 to donate to a charity of their choice. That's great. And it's brilliant. It's I'm the taping, yeah. and I'm not just saying this because we've been friends for four years since we graduated from college. <laughs> so it's three and a half, actually. Um, it's really hysterically funny. You take comedians who, like, love dance, but, and some of them sort of can dance, yeah. and can't really, and it's like that thing of, like, fake it till you make it. Like, yeah. it's hysterical. Look at the popularity of lipstick battle. It sounds like one well, step above that. That's what's yeah. so amazing about the show is that we have, like, we have comedians, like, we have Ron Funches, we have Fortune Themester, we have Danny Guy Grana, Danny Francesi. Um, Fortune Dancing. Oh, Fortune. Da- oh, just wait till you see her do milkshake. She's my Twitter buddy. You know what I love her about her? Every time, if I comment, she comments back. Well, at least she's commenting this. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, so you think you can dance. Like, 
Comfort, um, Cyrus, like all these, all these wow, amazing cool. dancers actually hold their hand and, 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 and get them through the routine. And it's great because it's like for a stand-up, it's like, oh, I can get up on stage to tell jokes or whatever, but take them out of their comfort zone and be like, oh, God, I have to dance in front of people. And it's just kind of meshes, I can't wait it meshes the dance it. world with the comedy world. And, right. it's, and it's, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. And so it's, uh, it's coming out, I believe, in January on the E-Network. We haven't got an official release date, but it's, that's what we were told. Congratulations. Before. Sounds hilarious. It's like, going to be great. And are you the creator of the show? Uh, well? uh, Justine Marino is. I just kind of, they asked me, they were like, we need, we need a mean girl on the panel. And I was oh. like, I'm in. Oh. So, and I'm not me, but it's, right. you know, there is one girl that I did make cry. But, like, <laughs> I mean, this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she was like, cool. you know, weird. Like, what are you doing at the beauty resort? Exactly. All right, well, guys, we are out of time. This what? has been a fantastic show. I'm awesome. We're having so much fun. I know. Gosh. All right, let's take two seconds. Let everyone know anyone that's been sleeping under a rock, where they can find you, Mr. Josh Horst. Oh, you can find me at at Del Shores on Twitter and Instagram, and then just go Del All the merch is on the website. DelShores.com. Del and on Facebook, if anybody's still doing that. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I, 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 I mean, I, done, I have an older demographic. I'm there, <laughs> I'm there on Facebook. It's Del Shores okay. Fan Club. Uh, that's my – but you can just put Del Shores and you'll see that. Who's put that the chat. Mr. Emerson Collins. Uh, you can see all my slutty nudity on slutty. Instagram at Emerson Collins, but on Twitter it's at actually Emerson. Very well. Yeah. Mr. Martindale. You can find me on Instagram at Justin Martindale, and you can follow me on Twitter at Just Martindale, and you can follow me on What's a Fashion on Snapchat every Thursday uh, and at E underscore What's a Fashion on Instagram. So don't follow me home. Just don't follow me home. I, I follow Justin, but he doesn't follow me. I do, too. That is oh, not true. Look at it right <laughs> now. <laughs> Where is my shade done when I need it? Hold on. Oh, wait a second. Hold right. on. Here it is. It's about, hold on. It's about. Oh, I have to hold on. Uh-oh. 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 Okay, there it is. Live TV. Live TV. Oh, oh, I do follow you. Uh, Let's see. Gentlemen, thanks for being on the Left and Straight Show in Palm Springs. I appreciate it. Oh, Thank you for having us. Jordan, take your way in Ohio. Give us a Lizzie Rubino with Neverland. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow with a whole new group of celebrities. I think we have Jason Stewart coming on. I didn't follow Matt Wall. <laughs> we have the Desert Age Project right here in Palm Springs coming on to talk about their great organization. We will see you tomorrow, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I sleep where dreams are born and time is never planned. It's not on any chart. You must find it with your heart. Never.